sunglasses on. I'm at a funeral. Oh, sunglasses. Yeah. Are we live? Fuck it. Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shaffin, along with my good friend, Artemis Brower. Artie, how's it going, my friend? We are good, brother. We are good. We are good. We are good. I like that cold open. I love I love the sound of that, that crisp crack of that, of that can. Love it. Almost almost as good as uh, Lil Wayne lighting, lighting, lighting the, uh, the, the flick of the lighter, right, at the beginning of the song. Love it. Right. From now on, just a crack of the can to, to get the to get the podcast started. Let's do it. I mean, already, what? It, there's no better time of year. Like I love this time of year when it's cold enough. Like we were talking before we went live, it's chilly season already. Yeah, chili and chowder, baby. Chili and chowder. Chili, chowder. Uh, you got uh, stews. I mean, yep. gotta love a good stew. Um. It's that time of year, and we're here for it. Have a nice, a nice heavier beverage, right? Like a, a mm-hmm. nice heavier beer, right? Maybe get, get your IPAs going. Get you're your not, calories in there. You're drinking a good like amber ale, uh, a stout, maybe a, a porter later at night. Hey, yeah. that I'm here for it. How you been, Artie? I've been good, brother. I've been good, man. Look, we, we're we're reaching the end of the week. Tomorrow's Friday. I was telling Josh before we got on, tomorrow's a payday, so we're feeling good. Tomorrow is also my brother's birthday. My little brother is turning 20 years old tomorrow. I feel old as crap. That man is about to be in his 20s. Like Young Nick. Oh, young Nicholas Alexander. Love him to death. That's my that's my baby brother right there, about to be in his 20s, so shout out to him. But I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm good, man. Uh, shout out to my cousin Brayton and her husband now, Corey. Spent the last weekend uh, celebrating them and their marriage. Yes, uh, it, it was an ECU wedding, so always always love a good ECU wedding. Um, lots of fun. Uh, but Artie, number seventy four, episode one seventy four. Keep cranking them out, baby. A new era begins. Got something in the oven, baby. Got a lot going on too. A lot, lots been going on. Number seventy four, Artie. You got a number seventy four for me. I was able. I was able to pull one together. I do got a seventy four for you. He's actually not on the offensive line. On the defensive line this time. Uh, old school guy. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I never heard of this guy until two minutes ago. Merlin Olson, out of the NFL, defensive tackle, played his entire fifteen year Hall of Fame career for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, retired in nineteen seventy six, and he's tied. With Bruce Smith for the most number of Pro Bowl selections, which is 14. Not time of this writing. This was like a few years ago, so there might be more people selected to the Pro Bowl. Maybe Tom Brady. I'm not too sure. Uh, but 14 Pro Bowl selections. Uh, was a member of one of the greatest defensive lines in NFL history, the Fearsome Four. Um, 1962 NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Six team, or six, excuse me, six time first team All Pro. Which, if you don't know how difficult it is to make an All Pro team, six times on the all-pro list is absolutely absurd. Um, he's a part of the NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team and all-decades team from the 60s and 70s. So shout-out Merlin Olsen, my number 74 defensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. 
All right. All right. Uh, my number 74, Artie. Atlanta Braves legend. If, if it ain't Hurricanes, it's Braves. It ain't Braves, it's Hurricanes. <laughs> I'm kidding. He, he played one, one year for the Braves. 2020 World Series champ. Uh, he, he's had a 14-year career. Last year was spent with Boston, the year before with the Braves. And the previous 12 years of his career were all spent in Dodger Blue. Um, closer, Artie. 420 saves. Blaze it. Blaze it. Uh, like I said, two-time uh, relief pitcher of the year, four-time All-Star, 2020 World Series champ. Not other saying? than Kenley Jensen. Okay. Jansen. Jesus, Jared. <laughs> wow. You're not that drunk yet, are you? No, no. Already, it, it's, all, it's all the drugs that I'm on for uh, for this cold that I've been trying to get over. Yeah, uh, n- another flu yeah. game. Like Mucinex and, and uh, the uh, ibuprofen and then uh, on top of that doing the uh, what's the stuff you put in the water? Alka-Seltzer. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Alka-Seltzer. It's crazy, man. When, when, when you get a little older, you, you can't just take ibuprofen anymore. You can't just, say, you can't just pop two or three Advil call today. You got to take Two to three to four different things. Just my my knees okay. hurt. My back hurts. I mean, <laughs> look, we're still young men. We're not. We're not old yet. We're still very young. No, men, but. but as I get to the cl- get closer to thirty years of age, I realize that it's all downhill from here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going down. It's not. It's not going reverse. It's just like it's, it's going down. We ain't talking any Benjamin Button syndrome. We're talking. Yeah, no. Whatever the opposite is, and that is just pure pure life, just getting old. Um, all right, Artie, the Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Yes, uh, go check them out. Lots of great content. I know they, the seventh inning podcast was doing a an emergency pod after Juan Soto got traded to the Yankees last night. Yeah, Lots dude. of great stuff. Check them out. If you're not subscribed yet, subscribe right now. We're live on on Variety Sports Network. Go subscribe there too. Um, also follow them at variety sports. Uh, the, the, the Twitter I know is, is a little bit different. It's like underscore variety sports or something like that. So go check them out. All right. And after you do that, if you haven't already hit that notification bell, subscribe right now to the boneyard podcast, wherever you get your podcast on YouTube, uh, hit the notification bell on x twitter right if you want to get notifications when we tweet a lot of the times it's me talking shit but hey if you want to see that by all means go go do what you need to do um yeah follow us at boneyard podcast all right Artie, what a week it's been yeah i mean we're going to talk about the often new offensive coordinator we've got to obviously obviously like what kind of ECU podcast would we be if we didn't? Um, with that being said, we'll get to that. Uh, we're we're going to talk John David Baker here in a little bit. But right now I want to talk about championship weekend. Just ended. College football playoff. Okay, we, we know the four teams. There's a lot of conversation going on around those four teams. Artie, 
what what's your first thought looking at uh the college football playoff? Well, first and foremost, um, my boys are the number one team in the country. So after after they after they mentioned Michigan at number one, I, I'm gonna be honest. I could honestly, in my heart of hearts, I really could have cared less who they put in. And after that, I only cared about Alabama, and I only cared about them being number one. And that's exactly what the committee did. So I was like, all right, cool. Everything, everything else after this is like whatever. It's chalk. All right, cool. But I will say, and and obviously, it's it's been the most controversy it's been since its inception. Um, Washington being at two, I think, was justified. They should have been at two. Michigan, Washington, obviously, they they were locks. Um, you had. Um, Texas at three, which, you know, them winning the Big 12 championship, walking out the door with the Big 12 championship, um, you know, only losses to Oklahoma this year, but they proved down the stretch. They had dominant wins down the stretch. I think they should have been in there. It really came down to Alabama, Florida State. Like that was that was the real discussion. How can you leave an undefeated um, power five conference champion out of the playoff discussion and put Alabama in? And really the the, the entire discussion has kind of been, most deserving versus best team. And traditionally the committee, and I, and I will say the committee has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde, right? Cause in, in, in years prior, you know, like a Cincinnati got in, right? Like an undefeated Cincinnati got in. So they have rewarded resume and going out there and playing the games and doing what's asked of you. They've rewarded that in the past this year, they went a little different. And I think they rewarded the better team more so than the most deserving team. Florida State absolutely deserved to be in. And, and but if, if you're asking me who would I think is a better team, because my my boys got to play this team, I would much rather see Florida State in the Rose Bowl than Alabama. Not even close. It's not even close. I would much rather see Florida State. To me, I think I think Michigan would dog walk Florida State with a second or third string quarterback outside of a Jalen Milrow who is playing some of the best football in the country right now. Alabama, who just beat the two-time defending 29-game straight Georgia Bulldogs, and they they convincingly beat Georgia. Like, Georgia, it was a three-point game to end it, but they really beat Georgia by 10 points. Like, they, they yeah. beat them by double figures. Artie, you, you got to remember, this is also the team that took a, a final second touchdown. I, I know, I know, I know. I know Fourth the and 31 miracle. The game, but you guys got to understand. The Auburn, why. a team that lost. By seventeen, I think it was seventeen points the week before that. But you to New Mexico it. State. The, so already the New Mexico State playing Alabama. Alabama is not the not a top four team in the country. Alabama is not a top four team in the country. Georgia so, deserves that spot more than Alabama. So a twelve and one SEC champion that just beat Georgia in the SEC championship game is not a top four team in the country. Who's been playing? And mind you, who's played some Alabama, suspect games? Jared, what is Alabama's only loss though? Texas. What's the only loss? Texas. Texas. Is Texas in the playoff or not? Yeah, and rightfully so. Okay, so their only loss is to another playoff Flo- team. Flor- Florida State. Florida State is more deserving than Alabama. Yes, they are more deserving than Alabama, and, but they're and, not a better team than Alabama, and that's what the playoff committee did. If Florida State would have got in, I wouldn't be up here telling you that. Being I, a better I, team is subjective. They, they they say that it, they say that it's because Florida State's without their quarterback. That's bullshit. Florida State without Jordan Travis is not. It doesn't same. matter. They they're still won the games. Team. They're not the same. Team. It doesn't matter that, not, I, that look, I, I people say. People I, I say, Artie, 
People say, oh, expanding the college football playoff diminishes what happens in the regular season. Having the college football playoff selected by a committee that doesn't know their head from a hole in the ground, led by led by none other than NC State Athletic Director Boo Corgan. Well, look, who already comes to light, his brother, his brother, Tim Corgan, is the VP of production at ESPN. Huh. Starting to make sense now, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck state. <laughs> go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Florida State at 13-0 and 0 deserved it more. Deserved it more than Alabama. But here's and, the thing, though. Here, but here's my other point. Why are we so gun-ho on this Florida State thing? But we're not talking about Georgia as much as Florida State. I, I agree. I think Georgia yeah, still deserved it. Over... Was like the only team that got screwed here. Georgia got screwed, too. Georgia went from number one to out of it because the they lost six. to the number eight team? That's bullshit. So they Georgia were just finding a way. They were finding six. a way to get Alabama into the college football playoff. But what, I, but what I'm saying is, look, two two teams are going to get screwed regardless. Even if you put Florida State in, right, you're going to leave out Georgia, you're going to leave out Alabama. So you're leaving out the SEC champion who they, they got a resume to, that, that shows they are good enough to be in the playoff. And you're leaving out a Georgia who has the resume to prove that they're good enough to be in the playoff. Two teams are going to get screwed regardless. How, how does Alabama jump up into the top four? I don't I don't know. Because, because they beat Georgia. They okay. beat Georgia. Yep. But if, if that's They're the case, Georgia, now, well, now, then look at their strength of schedule, too. They still had three to four top 25 wins against college football playoff teams. They enough. did. And All their right. only loss. Now, granted, yes, they lost to Texas by 10 at home, but Texas is in the playoff. That's their only loss. But they've had they they've looked sus at home. Several times did, did did Florida State not go down fourteen to zero to what's what's his name? Because I don't even know the school's it, name. It doesn't matter. It <laughs> did, doesn't did matter. State not struggle against a five hundred Florida <laughs> team. Wasn't Alabama tied with USF like into the third quarter? But did they win the game? Right. And have they Florida been the State same won thirteen games already? Jared has has Alabama been the same team since that South Florida game? Have they been better or worse since South Florida? Come on now, Florida State. I think Florida State, even with a back, why does the backup quarterback matter? Why does that matter? I'm not. You're I'm not still the best argue. team in the. You're still a top four team in the country in my eyes. My, my, look, my I hate, I hate the ACC, and I still believe and, Florida and State you, got screwed. You've been the main one saying that, like that, that the the strength of the ACC is is dog shit, and now yeah. you're trying to go for bat, go to bat for Florida State. I, I think a 13 and 0 team should be in the in the college football playoff. I think if there's four teams that are Undefeated, they should be in. Sorry about it. I'm not going to argue that Florida State is more deserving. I'll never argue that they are. They are way more deserving. If Jordan Travis doesn't get doesn't get hurt, yes, they probably get in. And and that and that's that's a travesty. And I and I and I, I don't understand. That. They still they're not the same team. They, it doesn't you, matter. As a my then final what's the point of playing team? the regular season if we're just going to say on paper a, this is a better team. As On paper, Michigan this is a better fan, team. I I was kind of hoping that the committee would have put Florida State in because I think we would have dog walked Florida State. Alabama can actually beat us, and and that's my that's, that's my final argument. Okay, well, 
Or I, I guess talking about the American getting left out of the New Year's Six uh, once again, bullshit. I I don't know what you I don't know what your take's gonna be. I think that putting Liberty in over over an SMU team or even a Tulane team is insanely wrong. So from now on, we all we need to do is just schedule the easiest schedule, go thirteen and zero, and we'll be into the college football playoff from from there on out. Is that is that what we're doing from now on? Well, look, Liberty stress of schedule was awful. Yeah, I, I, they they didn't they didn't really play. I, I don't, I don't I, think I they go thirteen and zero in the American Athletic Conference. But offensively. They've been great all season. Defense has been a little suspect. Offensively, they've been great all season. I'll say this though: Tulane, Tulane, Tulane screwed themselves. Yeah, because the, the same way I'm saying that a one loss Alabama is better than an undefeated Florida State would have been the same way I would have argued a one loss Tulane is better than an undefeated Liberty. They're, they're just a better team. So had Tulane went out there and handled their business and beat SMU, they obviously should have been into the New Year's Six bowl game. They're a better football team. Than an undefeated Liberty, but they got two losses. SU has two losses. Liberty is undefeated. You go, you put Liberty in. Liberty hasn't played a damn soul all year, and they're going to get dog walked by Oregon by fifty. Watch yeah, they're, it. They're, yeah, yeah, they're probably going to get embarrassed. But to be that, honest, that game's going to be over by by the end of the. You, Jared, I think Oregon will be Tulane by double digits. I think Oregon will be SMU by double digits. I think they, Tulane, said, the, they said the I same thing Tulane's about Southern Cal last team. year. I think Tulane's the only team that could actually keep it interesting with Oregon. But Oregon would dog walk SMU, and they would dog walk Liberty. I mean, SMU had a, a, I believe, a top ten, top fifteen offense in the country this year. So, we'll we'll see. Oregon was right there. Yeah, Oregon was right there. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Artie. You're right. Um, you know who else had a top twenty offense in the country last year, Artie? Ole Miss. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Ole Miss did. You know, I mean, Ole Miss was the only other team to beat Tulane this year. And, I mean, I've said it. I, I thought that that game was closer than the, the score showed. It was. Um, overall, like, I mean, Ole Miss just put it on them in the, in the fourth quarter. At, they put their their foot on their throats uh, after they got a lead. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, already new offensive coordinator, John David Baker. Yeah, uh, former co-offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, uh, tight ends coach. Artie, first and foremost, kind of what's your thoughts, and then we're we're gonna bring on our guest. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's I think it's a great hire. I, I like the aggressiveness of what we've done. We talked about this at the end of the season that we had to go out, we had to get younger at the offensive coordinator position, which we did. You know, we had to have, find a guy that was young, hungry, relatable to these kids kind of wanted to play the kind of style of offense that these kids want to play, modernized. Um, and between the other two finalists, because I know we had the the old um, head coach from Arkansas, and then uh, I forget the other the other guy that was a finalist um, in the runnings. But I, I just – I believe he was the answer. I believe he was the pick. If you're going to go pick between one of those three, I really feel like he was the pick. Um, he can he, – he has the potential to be a young, shining star. Um, especially if he's able to turn what was one of the worst offenses in the country last year in ECU into a respectable offense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's – was that, bottom five? There's, there's, one, all, one, there's only 133 teams already. Yeah, yeah, so bottom five offense. So if he could turn a bottom five offense 
which, mind you, Blake Harrell did this, turning a bottom five defense into one of the better defenses in the country. Um, if he can do that at the offensive coordinator position, the sky's the limit for ECU, the sky's the limit for uh, JDB. Uh, so I think it's a, I think it's an A higher. If I had to get my grade, I think it's an A right now. Um, I wanted to say B plus just because he ain't done nothing yet, but I, I just like the aggressiveness of what, of what our, our you know, program was able to do getting this hired. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I like the fact that I mean he's already in these homes and talking to recruits and and all that. Like he, he's doing his job. He's doing his damn job, right? Yeah. But uh, already, I, I guess let's bring on our guest. Uh, we got John making Gillespie. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. John, how, how's it going? To, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, it's it's going pretty well, and it is Gillespie. It's a hard okay. G. Um, yeah, but it's uh it's going pretty well, and I uh, was glad to be able to listen in to that in, tail end of that conversation there. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I, I think this is a really good move by ECU as well. Um, obviously, someone who's been around the Ole Miss program for a really long time. Uh, I think that JDB has has a bright, bright future ahead of him, uh, and so I, I'm. We'll, we'll get into it, but I, I I really like this move for the Pirates yeah. for sure. And and I, I since I butchered your name on, on the intro, I'll, I'll tell the people where you're from. You're you're from the Grove Report, covering Ole Miss, uh, the beat beat for Ole Miss uh, for uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, tell tell me a little bit about that, and then kind of how long you've been covering Ole Miss, and 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 then we'll go from there. Well, I've really been covering. Ole Miss for, I guess, about six years now. I started when I was a student there. I got my undergraduate and uh, master's degree in journalism there. Um, started at the student newspaper. <clears throat> I think it was my sophomore year. Um, graduated, uh, did some work with uh, Red Cup Rebellion uh, over at SB Nation for a year or two, and then uh, was blessed enough to be able to get this gig at Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, being the publisher of the website over here is – is awesome. I uh, grew up in Mississippi, just about an hour from Oxford. Um, you know, both of my parents went to Ole Miss, and it's a program I'm very familiar with. So it was really kind of a seamless transition. Um, and now I've been with the Grove Report for about three or four years, I guess. Um, and it's it's my dream job. I mean, it's it's awesome. Uh, you know, getting getting paid to do what you love is not really a job, but I mean, that's the only word I can really have for it. So <clears throat> love it, love it. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't get really we don't get paid to do the Boneyard podcast, but um, it, it it would be nice too. But yeah, I mean, cover covering the school you love is is great, and I know, like, I I just love the tradition and the everything that goes on with with Ole Miss. That I mean, you got the Grove, you got, I mean, you got that rivalry with, with Mississippi State. Like, you've got such good rivalries. It seems like there's. So much going on. You're one of the honestly one of the top SEC programs, typically year in and year out. Just overall, like what talk about like coaching in that environment, and no matter whether you're an assistant coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, what's that like? Well, I th- I think under the current environment, it's a little bit ironic that you ask that because today's actually the four year anniversary of Lane Kiffin being hired at Ole Miss. Um. So I think in the current environment, um, the program is run very Saban-esque. Uh, Lane, I think, mirrors a lot of what he learned under Nick Saban. Um, you know, like you and I talked a little bit before uh, before today, and 
we we don't have access to assistant coaches except once a year, and it's just the two coordinators, um, and that's during fall camp. So outside of that, it's Lane is the only coach we speak to, and players. So that's that's a Saban thing. That's something that he picked up from Nick. You know, kind of having one voice for the program type of deal. Um, but overall, I mean, I I think it's it's a place right now under Kiffin, especially offensively, um, where you have a lot of good talent that's come through. I mean, Jeff Lebby just got the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Um, JDB uh, now being in uh, at, at East Carolina. Um, and Charlie Weiss Jr., who's been with Kiffin before, he's a young guy. He's kind of an up-and-comer a little bit too. Um, so Kiffin, I mean, he's he's a young guy himself, but he's establishing his own coaching tree a little bit with the offensive side of the football. And I think as the years go on, you're going to see more and more of these former assistants from under Kiffin get these coordinator jobs, get these head coaching jobs, stuff like that. Um, I mean, it, it, it seems to really be some positive growth coming from that right now. Yeah. You know, Jared and I kind of kind of leading into that. Jared and I, you know, are two guys who really like Lane Kiffin. We we like the way he runs his program. Uh, really good football coach. But what is his effect overall like to the university? To you know, just not just the football, but just you know, the university as a whole. Because I mean, he's the first coach you know in Ole Miss history to have what a multiple ten win season in, mm-hmm. in a regular season. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot of history at Ole Miss, but but he's kind of been the most successful, and it's only been just an early start. So, what has his impact been like? Well, it is. I don't think you can quantify it, really. Um, so, yes, the only two 10-win regular seasons in program history have come under Kiffin. Now, Ole Miss had some undefeated seasons in the 60s under Johnny Vault, but they didn't play 10 regular season games back in the Stone Age or whatever that was. So, um, modern-wise, you know, modern era, uh, this this is the most successful run Ole Miss has had in the last 20, 30 years. Um and I actually wrote this today uh, over at thegrovereport.com that uh, the the effect that Kiffin has had, not just on the football program, but on the university has been insane because I'm of the opinion that in today's sports culture in the country, football is the face, kind of the front door to your university. It's what people see um, when they think about your university. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, you have, basketball and you know with schools like this baseball as well that are big but football is the driving force and lane making football successful making it trendy um you know his social media presence which is actually very different than his in-person presence um but his social media presence and everything like that it has it has opened up the door to Ole Miss being a fun brand not just a national brand but a fun brand along with that um yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Oxford is and, and the university is on fire in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it has to do with him walking in the door four years ago. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And before we I mean, we can I can talk Lane Kiffin. My, my, my wife, she, my wife doesn't care about sports. She we went to a we went to a friend's house a couple years. I guess it was about two years ago. I, I can't remember. You'll know what I'm talking about. Went to a friend's house. He, he's a big Tennessee vo- volunteer fan. And uh, that was the first time I ever seen her excited about a game when when Lane Kiffin held up that golf what was it a golf ball was, or a mustard yeah. mustard bottle or something like that like uh, so that that got my wife at least somewhat interested in college football for for a night at least but um, 
talk about talk about this Ole Miss offense. Uh, I mentioned I believe they were 17th in the country in total offense this year. I mean, yeah, you, you got the star quarterback, but talk a little bit about like this offense. What role you know that JDB maybe played in in, in this offense? Maybe play calling, if, if any. Um, what kind of influence he may have had at Ole Miss? Uh, I don't think play calling was part of it, but I will say that since he got to Ole Miss, um, well, and you know the the offense has always been Kiffin's calling card, right? Uh, he likes to surround himself with good offensive minds as well, um, and obviously Baker fit that role. Um, but you know, passing game coordinator, uh, tight ends coach, co offensive coordinator, you know, throughout the few years he's been here. Um, his first year here, obviously, had Matt Corral that made a big difference in the offense. Um, things took a little bit of a step back last year with Jackson Dart because whoever came in was going to be a step back from Matt Corral. Um, but this year, I mean, Dart Dart has looked honestly phenomenal um, running running this offense, and uh, I, I don't think his his influence on this offense can really be understated. Um, I mean, it's it's Kiffin and Weiss who will call the plays, but having having a guy, a young mind like Baker in the room who's innovative, who's creative, who's aggressive, um, I, I think that that kind of wears wears off or rubs off on the offense itself, right? I mean, it's just kind of that mindset. Um, and I, you know, I have done a little research on him myself, um, looking back at at his previous stops and. I mean, it, it was just a matter of time before he got he got a gig like this because he's obviously talented enough to do it. Uh, and I think I think he's really excited to have the play calling duties uh, at East Carolina. And honestly, I, I talked to um, since since I've never talked to Baker myself, I've talked I talked to someone who has knowledge of what he brings to the table in mm-hmm. preparation for this. I, I said, hey, you know. JDB has gone to East Carolina. What do you think that move is going to be like? You know, do you think he'll be successful there? Basically, is what I was asking. And the guy said, "Yes, absolutely." He said, "I, I think that the offense that he runs at East Carolina will be similar in style, in approach, aggressiveness um, to what has been run at Ole Miss." And uh, you know, obviously, if 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 the playmakers can can be there for that kind of offense, it's it's going to be dangerous. Yeah. And you know, JDB, so his his main gig, you know, before he became co-offensive coordinator, has been tight ends coach, right? Even before Ole Miss, you know, tight ends coach. Um, and that is something that ECU really wants to get back into is having really strong, stout tight ends um at that position. What has he been able to do at Ole Miss as far as recruiting tight ends and how's that tight end room look specifically under JDB? Um, recruiting wise, man, it has been it has been solid. Um Michael Trigg is obviously a freak athlete. He was dismissed from the team this year, but that's no fault of his physical capabilities. Um, Caden Prescorn out of the transfer portal uh, from Memphis this season was huge when he was healthy, once he got healthy. Um, I mean, he's got hands like a wide receiver, but he is a security blanket still for for the offense as well from that tight end position. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the tight end is a is a strong part of this offense, even though it's – you know, it's not like under center, typical traditional tight end type roles. Um, but finding tight ends that fit this kind of system, yeah, it's been it's been off the charts. I mean, just from the top of my head, uh, in recent memory, I mean Kenny Yaboa, 
uh, Trig and Prescorn. I mean, th- those three guys have been have been really solid gets um, in Oxford, and it's uh, you know I, I think a large a large part of that credit comes comes from him. For sure, yeah. I mean, he, he's gonna he's gonna take over the, uh, as the quarterbacks coach and, and offensive coordinator here at East Carolina. Um, I mean, pretty pretty decent uh, quarterback himself uh, in his time at, at Abilene Christian. Uh, Abilene Christian. Um, but w- with all that being said, I mean, uh, he he seems like a guy that just has a ton of energy, right? Like we 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 had Donnie Kirkpatrick on last week. Friend of the podcast now, former ECU offensive coordinator. He, he's a super great guy. He he's got passion, but this seems like an extra level of energy that that JDB is coming with. Do, have you seen that around the program? I know I know you haven't had a chance to talk to him, but has he always kind of been like that kind of firecracker type dude? Absolutely. Um, from the outside looking in, at least uh, I, I would definitely say that because. Uh, I think you get that more with these young coaches, right? And that's that's something you guys touched on before I came on. That, uh, you know, that's that's the direction ECU wanted to go in potentially. And uh, I think I think it it hits the nail on the head, um, proverbially speaking, getting that in JDB because uh, to me, now I'm, I'm obviously not a football coach or an athletic director, but to me, if you want to revitalize something, a part of your team that has not been performing well on the field, you go get someone young with energy. And yes, I absolutely think that is, that is kind of his calling card a little bit. Um, And obviously he, he knows what he's doing with scheme and quarterbacks, tight ends, that kind of thing as well. But the energy being able to relate to kids, being able to fire kids up, um, playing a brand of football that is marketable. That's fun. Uh, I think that's a a really big thing, and uh, I, th- I think that's really what he's all about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I was I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week, and they're like, "Oh, well, he's he's never been like an offensive coordinator anywhere else on his own." And I mean, I, I was thinking, I mean, this hire reminds me a lot of a, of another former ECU offensive coordinator, and the one of, of Lincoln Riley. And to me, like that—that's the excitement I get from this, and and I, I'm hoping, rightfully so. Right, and to me, I don't—I don't think that argument that he's never been an OC really holds up, because he's had his hands in really good offenses, and he's worked under really good coordinators and really good head coaches. So, to me, he's bringing that knowledge with him a little bit. I—I I, I think that makes sense if I say it out loud. Um, he's, he's bringing that mindset that, um, just, just the stuff he's learned at these different stops, uh, along with his own personality and everything. I, I don't think it matters that he hasn't been an OC because he's been around offense his whole life. Right. Um, so you, you have to start somewhere. Um, and when, when the opportunity calls and it's a good fit at a particular school, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I think that this is, this is definitely that for him. I, when he was when he was hired and that this news broke that he was going to ECU, I thought, okay, yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I mean it's it's definitely time for him to get a role like that because he's too talented to to not have that. No, for for sure. Or do you got any more questions? Well, I actually kind of have a have a fun question for you because I know you know since we have somebody that that is related to Ole Miss went to Ole Miss, 
I mean, right now, the state of Ole Miss athletics, right? I mean, you got a team that's going to the Peach Bowl, playing Penn State, and get to 11 wins. You got a basketball team that still is, is is still undefeated, correct? And and number one in the SEC right now. I mean, how how exciting is it to be just covering Ole Miss, being around that program, both basketball and football? I mean, Ole Miss is, is killing it right now. Not to mention, I mean, baseball's always been pretty good there too. Right. Right. That's right. Um, man, it is. It's a special time. Um, it's it's really good for business. Uh, I'll definitely say that because, um, you know, twenty two. Well, okay, the twenty one season football season, win ten games, go to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, the twenty two, the uh, spring of twenty two, win the baseball national championship, which is a huge deal uh, to fans in Mississippi. Big college baseball place. Yep. Um, Obviously, the, the momentum that Kiffin has continued to build and now uh, the basketball momentum that's going on. I think uh, I think Chris Beard is building something that fans aren't used to or they haven't seen in a while. And so it's going to take a little bit to kind of get that momentum going. But, I mean, 8-0 right now, it's hard to complain about that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a really, it's a really interesting intersection of good times from the different sports at the same time because – I don't think that Ole Miss has really had that, um, and not not since I've been alive anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's three or so sports and women's basketball too, four um, being successful all at the same time. Um, you know, and and a lot of that credit goes to athletic director Keith Carter. Uh, he's an Ole Miss guy, but uh, a lot of people weren't super thrilled with an in-house hire for athletic director when it happened. But he has absolutely killed it with every hire that he's had. Um, and, you know, supporting these programs and everything, getting everything rolling the way that it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an awesome time, seriously. And and from a journalistic perspective as well, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. Well, uh, John David Baker in, in his press conference said ECU is an SEC-like town atmosphere. Yeah. I know y'all, y'all, y'all gave Tulane a, a home game. Maybe, maybe we could get a one-for-two deal going on. With Ole Miss, we need we need somebody different on the schedule, right? Now that's those are the kind of games to me that are really fun. I mean, conference expansion obviously is bringing new teams, you know, at, at different times. You know, Ole Miss has Oklahoma on the schedule next year at home, um, so that'll be a big deal. But uh, those games where you get to do a home and home type deal with a school that you don't see often. Uh, you know, I think ECU would be a great candidate for that. Uh, Ole Miss has one with USC coming up in 25-26, I think. Uh, if Lane Kiffin is still here, that'll be him returning back to Los Angeles uh, in one of those years. Um, and the Trojans have, have never come to Oxford. So, I mean, that, that'll, be, that'll be a fun one. But it's, to me, it's those type games that, that make college football fun, getting to see the different traditions and everything like that. Um, and that's why I think the Peach Bowl matchup is – or one reason that it's so good because Ole Miss and Penn State have never played one another. Um, uh, I think Artie and I can both agree, beat the hell out of Penn State. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think I think my, my readership will very much appreciate that stance uh, because it's uh, – and, and honestly, it is a very intriguing matchup from offense versus defense strength type deal. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one, and uh, you know a lot of Ole Miss fans weren't expecting to get into the New Year's Six field. They thought they were going to the Citrus Bowl. They're able to squeak in, and you know now they're just hoping to make some noise once once they're there. For sure. Well, I only got two two more questions. Uh, well, I mentioned baseball earlier. 
Another coach was uh, once an assistant coach at, at Ole Miss for East Carolina. One Cliff Godwin. Uh, t- talk about uh, Cliff Godwin, or, or talk about the baseball program. And and I know I know we scheduled a series with y'all. I guess it was a couple years ago. We went down mm-hmm. there and played. Um, talk about baseball. I mean, everybody here in Greenville lo- loves ECU baseball, but talk talk about Ole Miss baseball. And I mean that that's the next season we got to look forward to. Right. Um, well, uh, I think I think ECU got on Ole Miss fans' radars pretty big um, when that Godwin hire was made. Uh, people, from all accounts, people really liked him, um, and they're kind of rooting for him uh, in this in this role. And uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's done a pretty good job. Um, yeah, I mean, baseball uh, in in Oxford is a big deal. It's um, Swayze Field packed out to. 12, 13,000 people. Um, you know, it's it's the big social event of the spring, I guess, is, is baseball games. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of places around the country, it's not necessarily like that. You know, there are, there are hot spots for college baseball, depending on climate and that kind of stuff. But um, the SEC and Ole Miss, Mississippi State, those those places are all in with it. And winning the national championship, even though, you know, people tend to forget that the 2022 season wasn't going particularly well in Oxford. They get into the NCAA tournament. They go win the Natty. Um, that that was one of the biggest moments in school history, I think. Um, I mean, it it has turned Oxford on its head since then. Last year was a letdown year. Wasn't, wasn't very good. Didn't make the tournament. Um, but this year, you know, I, I think that, Things are shaping up to to be competitive again. Mike Bianco is is a guy who is when he's down, he's never down for long. He's been at Ole Miss for over twenty years, um, so you know we'll see. But it's it's definitely a big deal, regardless of how well the team is performing. Uh, baseball is is always drawing really big crowds compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, for sure, yeah, love to hear it. And then uh, lastly, uh, I see you're wearing a, a, a Braves polo. Any- I, I knew you were gonna ask about it. I knew you were gonna ask. Where, where you think? Uh, you think anything? You think AA's got anything up his sleeves uh, for for the next ten weeks th- throughout the rest of the all season? When does he not? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, they they keep talking about Shohei being like, "Oh, don't I don't want anybody to talk about it." Well, AA doesn't talk about anything. Right. Um, it's like Fort Knox. I, I think that I think that's definitely a bit of a stretch, but oh yeah, no. But you know, it's a man can dream. It yeah, yeah God, <laughs> um, it's a uh, it's amazing what he has been able to do since he got here. Um, I've I've grown up a Braves fan, obviously, um, or else Same. I wouldn't be wearing the shirt. But uh, yeah, it's it's incredible, and you know, we we've talked some about um, products on the field being marketable, being fun. That's what the Braves are right now. Um, this this young core that he has somehow managed to Lock hold on hold on until the end of time um, with very franchise friendly deals. Uh, it's it's set up for the Braves to be really successful for a long a time. Yes, if if everything plays out right, which for me in sports it very rarely does. Um, Same, but yeah, but. Uh, you know, it's 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 awesome, right? I mean, it's um, during 
during the summer and stuff when it just feels when people say, you know, man, nothing is going on sports wise. I'm like, guys, the Braves play at three thirty. Everybody <laughs> shut up. Everybody sit down. We're fixing to watch the Braves. Um, you know, it's 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 a lot of fun. Baseball is actually probably my second favorite sport behind college football. Um, the NFL is close, but I'm a really big MLB guy, um, you know, and, and I look forward to it every year. And uh, but to get back to your original question, yes, he probably does have something else up his sleeve. I, I continue to wait for at Braves on X slash Twitter uh, to just casually drop some massive bomb. Like, oh, yeah, the Braves signed so and so for pennies and yeah. the fan base go crazy for a couple of days and, you know, get get really excited. So. Uh, he's he's always moving in the shadows a little bit, and that's that's really good for Atlanta. I, I gotta say, nothing beats Braves Twitter. Oh my gosh, Braves Twitter <laughs> is the place to be. It is like you, you it don't you, come I, at us. You Do surely not come at us. No, what, you what is it about Braves Twitter though? The memes. It's the my memes, big thing. The, um, the second rate podcasts that turn into just troll accounts. Yeah. Not combination. Uh, That's a shout out to you. Yeah. Um the the Tiger Woods meme back, oh. what was that, two or three years ago? Yeah. That was that was golden. I was just every time I mean the Braves would win a game and the Phillies would tweet, you know, final Braves five, Phillies four. You, you could scroll for 30 minutes and it's just people replying to Tiger Woods meme <laughs> constantly. Uh and I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like, you know, and, and it's it's fun because it's it's a fan base that is locked in night in and night out for 162 games and that that can be tiring um but man in recent years they've been through some bad times so man they are fixing to celebrate some good times uh on on social media when they get the chance so i mean braves twitter is there's a group of people that just i mean they get groups of people to go to games together and they're like 40 50 60 people deep Mm -hmm. of just people that met on twitter yeah (laughs) like that's they're from all over the country, and they come to a Braves game, and they just met on Twitter. It's it's a special place. I mean, it's I'd, where it's like Disney World a little bit, just for social media. Like, I'd never know. heard of Rock Mart, Georgia, until until I was I was on Braves Twitter. Yeah, the real ones know. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you if you don't if if you get bored during if baseball if baseball if if baseball is not even your thing. And you get bored during baseball season. I guarantee you that people can be entertained on social media if they find the right, the right section of Braves Twitter. Because a lot of times, man, it's either it's one extreme or the other. It's meltdown or it's elation, um, and very, very troll heavy as well. Uh, that's that's definitely the case. Okay, I'm glad you're among that number. Uh, that's good. I I try to I try to tone mine back a little bit because. A lot of my following circles. I mean, I don't. I don't have a lot of Phillies fans or met whatever you know. Um, but yeah, I, I love. I love getting getting to see people riled up over over baseball. The Waffle House memes to Bill Plaschke. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I I did an edit where I I changed the Hollywood sign out for the Waffle House sign. So, did you really? Uh, I did. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, my my. John, my my pinned tweet on my personal Twitter is a house that says, in this house, we disrespect Bryce Harper. So, um, Bryce Harper, you can walk the damn plank. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, go Braves. I I could talk. 
I, I would start a Braves podcast, but there's there's 15 of them already. Yeah. Well, you never know. Maybe maybe there's maybe the market's not too saturated yet. You never know. Hit me up, John. Okay. We'll, we'll just do a podcast on, on Braves Twitter. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the only just subject. Keeping up with Braves Twitter. Yeah. But uh, John, go ahead and tell everybody where they where they can find you, where they can find your content, um, and then and then we'll let you go. Okay. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's at J capital J make M A K E Gillespie. If you can't spell it, you can Google it. Dizzy Gillespie. It's spelled the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, my content uh, is found at thegrovereport.com or si.com slash college slash Ole Miss. Um, you can Google Ole Miss SI and our stuff's there. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing what we do. Uh, I've got a really good staff over there. Um, really, really talented writers, uh, reporters, and uh, we just we just have a lot of fun doing what we do. So if you if you want if you want to read a little bit about Ole Miss, hop on over, check us out. Love it. For sure. Thanks, John. We'll uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll meet again. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I appreciate the invite, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. no problem. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Once again, that was John making Gillespie from the Grove Report. Already, real quick, I mean, talking about John John David Baker, I mean, he came yeah. in and honestly. What I got to say is a coach comes in wearing ostrich skin boots. That's my kind of coach. Facts. I Facts. Mean, well, he's, he's, he's Texas born and bred, baby. Wouldn't expect nothing else. Love it. Love the energy. We talked about it a little bit in, in the interview. Talked about the energy he brought to the press conference. Mike Houston said, hey, he's going to be the play caller. Yeah. What are your thoughts on – on everything that was kind of said, what was there something that stood out to you in JDB's press conference when, when he uh, when he came? Yeah, I mean, some of the things I, I've definitely listened to the press conference and heard it in full, um, heard what Houston had to say, heard what JDB said. And, you know, some of the things that really stood out to me, first and foremost, the kind of offense that he wants to run, right? He wants to be extremely aggressive. That is a that is a stark contrast to what we are used to the last couple of years, right? Instead of, you know, playing not to lose, we're going to go out and play to win. And that's really what I wanted to hear in his opening presser. Extremely aggressive, up-tempo kind of offense. He mentioned, you know, the air raid with a mix of that old-school Baylor kind of offense. So it's going to be more of a spread-tempo offense. Um, we're going to get up to the ball. We're going to play fast. We're not going to wait for the defense to get settled. That forces the defense to have to play one-on-one matchups. Unless you have a really great defense with good linebackers, corner, and safety play, that's going to force you to have to, you know, win those one-on-one matchups. If we can recruit at a level that we should be recruiting at, which we're already recruiting very good. We have one of the, you know, the top class in the American. Um, so, you know, if, if we can win those one-on-ones, the, the kind of offense that he wants to run is going to be excellent. Another thing that stood out to me, he doesn't want to be labeled as an air raid guy, although there are many aspects of it, but he's that's, you know, he, he mentioned that the run game is going to open up the pass game, not the other way around the pass game, open up the run game. Um, quarterback, when he's talking about recruiting a quarterback, has to be a proven leader, extremely accurate, athletic, um, you know, a kind of guy that can open up the play when the, when the play breaks down. He can, you know, do something with his legs. He wants a really accurate, athletic guy who is a proven leader, which, you know, obviously since Holton, you know, this, this past year, we, we did not have that. You know, love Mason, love Alex Flynn, respect both of those guys. But as far as, you know, those other 10 guys in the huddle, 
looking at you and saying, okay, I, I trust and believe that you are a leader. You can go out there and get it done for us. That was not the case this past season. So I think we're going to have that under him. Um, and then obviously, you know, him being a tight ends guy, um, that, that's something that we kind of shot away from this past season. Um, him being able to go out and recruit some tight ends at a high level, get that that position back rocking. Uh, when you have a really good tight end in an offense that can not only catch passes but block very well, you have no idea what that can do for an offense, um, especially when you have other skill positions that can do with their thing. Um, so those are the kind of things I took away from his his introductory press conference. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it, I mean, we, we talk about his coaching style and, and where he comes from, Artie. I mean, he he comes from, I mean, a, a good tree in Lane Kiffin and, and those guys. I mean, Lane Kiffin from yeah. Nick Saban. I think Lane Kiffin is probably the heir apparent at Alabama whenever Nick Saban decides to, you know what, yeah. peace if, on if out. Tuscaloosa, I'd be shocked. Um, but, Josh, is the clip working now? It's going to be uh, it's going to be one that you feel like is always on the attack. Um, we're going to be extremely aggressive. Um, we're going to take our shots, um, and we're going to play. We're going to play at a, a pretty good tempo. Love that. I mean, that, that's exactly what you need. Um, a couple of things. So. Um, I actually, I've known, I knew a lot of people just from my ties to kind of that whole Mike Leach tree as far as guys that have worked here before, Clay McGuire, Brandon Jones, those guys that were here with Lincoln and them. Um, and those were guys that I, I called during the process of like, hey, you know, what do you think of this place? What do you think of Greenville? Um, all those things. And, and every one of them said the same thing. They're like, dude, that place is awesome. Like it is, it is a legit place that, the sky's the limit. And so that, and then just seeing from afar, obviously, um, you know, you have a ton of crossover tape and just seeing this place, seeing the fan base, um, that was probably one of the things that attracts me the most, like coming from coming from an SEC school in a small college town, you get that same feel here. This is an SEC town now, and these people care about this program, and that's what fires me up because now we're gonna go put something on that green grass that these guys are gonna really like to watch every Saturday. Love that. Yeah. That I, I mean I, that honestly kind of shocked me the most when he when he said that. Um, but I, I don't I don't disagree with, with what he said because Greenville, when when football is good in this town, it definitely does have that SEC type of feel to it. It's better than a than a Carter Finley. It's better than um, you know, uh whatever whatever the name is for Carolina's football stadium. Keenan. Keenan, yeah, Keenan Stadium. It's much better than a than a Wallace Wade. In, in Durham, right? So I mean, when when ECU football is rocking, when Dowdy is rocking, I mean that 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 it just feels big time. So he's absolutely right when he says that. Yeah, Artie, and the the biggest thing to me, and kind of got a sense last week when we talked to Donnie Kirkpatrick. I've been texting a couple of guys this week, and they, I mean, they all pretty much confirmed what what we all thought that Coach Donnie K wasn't the guy really. Calling the plays, yeah. So, um, I mean, now he's saying that JDB is gonna gonna be in control of the whole the whole offense. Josh, we got that clip. I think there will be uh, the vast majority will fit uh, within his scheme, and I think there are some pieces that we need to make sure we uh, we acquire uh, to make sure that uh, he has everything he needs. He and I will work together to uh, ensure that he has uh, 
an offensive staff uh, that is prepared to implement uh, his his style of play uh, to the fullest extent. So we're we're both uh, in discussions on that. And already, I mean, they've they've already started doing that, right? They've already yeah. started getting the offensive staff together, right? You, you've got uh, the guy coming in from what what is it, Purdue? Uh, this Matt, what was it, Matt Maddox? Matt Maddox, yeah, new offensive line coach. Yep. So, new offensive line coach. He's been at Texas. He's been at Purdue. He's been at UTSA. He's been at South Florida. He's been at Tulsa. I mean, he's been at these schools that, one, you're now competing with each and every day in the American Athletic Conference. He's been there. But he's also been at Power 5 schools that, I mean, Purdue's not crazy about Purdue, but he's been at Texas, right? We we talked about earlier. Texas is playing in the college football playoff. We know what Texas is. Horns down, all right? Like, with that being said, with that being said, Artie, he knows what it takes to recruit some big nasties. And we know that a bunch of them are, are there in Texas. He's been recruiting Texas mm-hmm. for forever. Now maybe he can find some more some more size, some more weight in some of those cornbread-fed areas like Texas, like Oklahoma, and in that SEC region. Yeah, and, and just to talk about Coach Houston for for a moment, because it takes a lot of growth and maturity when you are the head guy, when it's your program, you're leading it, to be able to say, no, this is going to be his offense. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to let him take the reins. He's going to he's going to get the guys that he wants, and we're going to let him run the show from an offensive standpoint. That takes a lot of growth. That takes a lot of maturity. So shout out to Coach Houston for, for coming out and saying that to the media, to the public, saying, hey, out, out, out in the open, this is going to be – his offense, the way he wants to run it. We have full faith that he's going to run it the right way. Um, and, and like you said, him being a Texas guy, him having those ties there, born and bred, played played college football at Abilene Christian, um, you know, played, played a little indoor football, arena football as well, has some successes there. But just his ties to that Texas area, being able to get back to that area, um, bringing in a Matt, Matt Maddox who, you know, like you said, has those ties to the Texas. Um, I'm really excited about who that – because, you know, obviously quarterback – First and foremost, without a quarterback, you have nothing. You have to get the quarterback right. But then that old line is also almost just as important, not more important, um, you know, to, to get that established as well. So that's that's the, you know, the, the two things we were talking about as far as old line quarterback play, getting those two things right. It looks like within the last few days, the last week, we have made moves to sh- show and prove to Pirate Nation we are going to go out. We're going to go get a quarterback. We're going to go rebuild this offensive line. We're going to go be competitive. We're going to reach out to markets that we haven't been able to reach out to, um, you know, previously before, or at least in a little while. So it's, it's looking promising from that aspect. Yeah. And the thing that I think is interesting. So JDB has, has been a passing game coordinator quite a bit in, in his time in college football, right? He, he's been controlling the passing game. Matt Maddox, the offensive line coach he's bringing in, has been a run game coordinator everywhere he's been. Right, and and he's been a pretty decent one at that. So, when when you're combining those two minds, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, you still need to probably find a running backs coach. Um, I I don't know what what ECU's going to do there. Um, but you got you got the first one down. You can find a running backs coach. We we've gone through a couple of them in the last couple of years. Right, losing Chris Foster now, Raquan Boyett. Like, 
There, there's guys out there you can bring somebody in, and with the talent in this running back room, it, it's not going to take much to coach them up, right? Especially if they have an offensive line to run behind. Fix the offensive line. You can bring in a quarterback. There, there's some there's some interesting quarterbacks, and I, I know it's that time of year. People follow you. Some interesting quarterbacks have been following us here lately. So, and look, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the portal, bro. I mean, the portal the portal is hot. The portal is hot right now. There's so. there's some interesting ones that we we see them, and, and I'm like, damn, why are you following us? Like, follow Igo, not, not us. But, no, um, no, 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 no. Don't say that. No, follow I, us. You, you know <laughs> what I mean, Artie. You know what I mean. How the hell are they finding us? <laughs> we ain't um, no scrubs over here. Stop that. But, uh. That's true. Um, premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Uh, but, Artie, overall, I, I feel good about it. Like I said in the interview, this feels like a Lincoln-Riley type hire right now. Yeah, and, and look, you know, it's, it's it's just pen to paper right now. Nothing nothing has been done on the field, so, you know, we do have to press the brakes just a little bit. But, yes, excitement, excitement should be there. We should be excited about this hire. I think it was a really good hire. I gave my grade of an A earlier. I think it is still an A as far as the hire itself. And Pirate Nation should be excited for this. This is the kind of hire, the kind of guy that you would want to come in. Um, So, yes, excitement should be through the roof. Now we just got to deliver, right? Enough enough of this. Let's go out there and get it done. Get the damn job done. All right, Artie, we've been – we could talk even more about this. I – I got a family to, that wants to see me tonight, so we're we're gonna cut this podcast short here. Let's do it here in a minute. But uh, real quick, let, let's run so, through some things. Uh, ECU basketball, Artie around ECU athletics. ECU basketball uh, is now six and three. Got a big game this weekend. Yes, yes. South Carolina was good, man. They they were up by nine at Clemson last night at half. Yeah, ended up losing. They they lost, but Clemson's Clemson's a good team too. So they lost. Clemson's a top twenty five team. Yeah. ECU beat UNCW, who then went on the road and beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse over the weekend. No, Kentucky. They beat Kentucky, not Kansas. Was it Kentucky? It was Kentucky. Oh well, sorry. The... <laughs> that is, Kansas, Kansas is a different beast than Kentucky right now. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm going off what's what's on the notes. So my bad. Um, Bobby Pettiford led the Pirates with a career high 24 points. Um, then they hosted the Pirates hosted uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, um, and the the first half was ugly. I mean, I think the Pirates were up by one at halftime. Yeah. Ended up winning 63-52. And honestly, that score is a lot closer than what the game really was at the end of the game. Uh, UMES got a a bunch of points. They're kind of during garbage time. I I remember EC being up by like 18 points with like a minute and a half left. So, um, Pirates of South Carolina this Saturday at noon. This is going to be the first true test of ECU's season, right? Like, can can ECU figure it out? Um, hopefully, hopefully everybody's healthy. You've had a couple days to get healthy. Um, South Carolina coming off their first loss. Look, South Carolina could very well be ranked. Were they seven and one? Seven and one. Yeah. With, with their sole loss being to 
a, a ranked Clemson team. I know that game was after the latest rankings came out, but overall, uh, already, I mean, uh, ECU's ranked right now, two, I think it's 201st, uh, 201 in, in the Ken Palm rankings. Not great, but uh, a win against South Carolina, which I think is doable. And then a win, uh, win against Florida, which could be doable. Just depends on what, what defense shows up for ECU. Um, you, you could see ECU climb climb the ladder quite quite quickly. Um, and then you got a, a game against a top 15 team to I'll start the new year. I was going to say, if, if we can go into that Florida Atlantic matchup sitting at nine and four, right? Like, like, like if we can go three and one over the next four games, because I, I think we're going to split that South Carolina Florida matchup. We, now, we very well could lose both of those games, but if we can split one of those games and then obviously win, win the, you know, the, the two games on the back end um, and, and finish nine, if like we go into Florida Atlantic at nine and four, you, you're feeling good about yourself, especially with a win either over South Carolina or Florida. You're feeling really good about yourself in the state of the program. But um, the sky's the limit right now. I mean, you know, we, you know, three of our next five games are against really good teams and really good competition. Like you said, one is going to be ranked. South Carolina could be ranked right now. Um, so this is really gonna 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 tell us what we have as far as a basketball program and a basketball team for this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking over the next five games, you got South Carolina at home. Then you play a, uh, a neutral site game against Florida, home against Delaware State, home against East East Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee, and then you go on the road, play Florida Atlantic, okay. who, I mean, they're, they're – look, Florida Atlantic's damn good. Um, so you're going to really be tested. But who knows? Anything can happen with ECU basketball. Mike Shorts, we, we believe in Mike Shorts. Yes, we do. Um, and then Kim McNeil talking about Kim McNeil's team. They're now five and three after a masterful comeback uh, against Maryland Eastern Shore in the same night. Uh, I mean, down. I believe they were down by double digits. Yeah, um, and then went on like a sixteen to six run. Um. So yeah, I mean, ECU beat them by fifteen points. Danae McNeil, thirty four points. That night, including a perfect nine for nine from the line. I mean, overall, ECU women's basketball, who I believe they're like top 70 in the net rankings. So, uh, shout out to them. ECU ECU women's basketball is going to be good. I was about to say, ECU, like, we're sitting at five and three right now, but ECU women's basketball is going to be just fine. They're going to write the ship, and and they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be, you know, right there in the end as far as maybe being able to repeat and defend their American Athletic Conference championship, they're, they're going to be just one. Yeah. I mean, the only the only team in the conference that really, truly concerns me, it, I, I believe it's Rice. Rice is pretty good. <laughs> I'm just – I'm reading Josh's message. <laughs> Josh's message right here. You Eastern Carolina, East Tennessee. They're not, they're not Eastern Tennessee. They're East Tennessee. My bad. Womp, womp. Hey, <laughs> hey, I I understand why people do it. Don't get upset no more, Jared. Don't get upset no more. Someone says Eastern Carolina. You can't do it. Already, no, but, oh, whatever. What what conferences? East Tennessee State University, and they're they're in what the uh, they're in the same one as UNCG, right? 
I mean, you know, some people. <laughs> That's CAA. So kind. Look, UNCG is so good, kind. though, man. U- UNCG gets slept on every year. That's a good basketball program. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they are. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. They're good. Hey, I look, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to upset any Eastern East, East Tennessee. Yo, hit, hit his inboxes, hit his inboxes tonight. Everybody from East Tennessee hit his shit tonight. Hit it. Ugh, whatever. All right, Arnie. That that that's all I got. Let let's do a, a walk. Do you have walk the plank? You know, I actually do not have a walk the plank this week. I'm not mad at nobody right now. Not too much is going on in sports. I'm not really upset at anything, so I don't have a walk the plank this week. I'm trying to find something to be mad about, but um, <laughs> Liberty shouldn't be in the New Year's Six Bowl. Yes, they should. No, they yes, shouldn't. They should. No, they shouldn't. I mean, on, already got, got two loss and two loss two lane. Yes. What's their strength of schedule? What's their strength of schedule? Well, how many games did they lose? Tulane or SMU or Liberty? How many games did Liberty you lose? None. But if that's the case, already here's here's the issue with it. Here's the issue. You just told every team that it doesn't matter. What your strength of schedule is. It does I mean Michigan's been telling people that all year, but it doesn't <laughs> you just told hey, look. everybody that as long as you go undefeated, unless you're in the ACC. I, I told you in. my stance. Tulane shit the bed when they couldn't take care of SMU at home in the American Athletic Conference Championship. Their only other law one two lost, top twenty-five two losses. Lanes. Should have been in over an undefeated Liberty, but a two who the hell did Liberty lane, beat? A two loss Tulane does not deserve to get with no conference championship. A two loss Tulane with no conference title does not deserve to get in over an undefeated Liberty with the conference title. Don't give me that. Calling it right now. Yeah. EC goes into Lynchburg next year, beats Liberty. <laughs> All right, gambling corner. Let's get it. Last regular season college football game of the year. Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, Saw college game day is having Bill Belichick as, as the guest picker this this week. Um, yeah, he got to do something because he ain't coaching that Patriots offense or defense, right? Army, three-point favorites over under, tw- geez, over under 27 and a half. Uh, take the under. And... What's is Navy at five wins, Josh? I think they're both yeah. five and six. So I mean, who are, are either of them in a bowl game? I'm about to say I don't even know if this is like to get into a bowl game. Aren't all the bowl games? Because all the bowl games are selected. Yeah, they're all selected. Once again, another reason not to play not, this game the last week of the season. Yeah, that's 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 kind of crappy because you know you get the six wins against your rival and you can't even play for a bowl game. Help. And as far as I know. Jeff Munkin, head coach at Army, is one of the front runners for the Tulane job. We didn't even talk about that. Willie Fritz out at Tulane. That's right. Tulane loses the conference championship at home and they lose their coach. Down bad. To Houston. Down bad. Mm. Mm. The Houston, I mean, uh, 
Is that Houston, Houston job sucks. Is the Houston job a better job than being at Tulane right now? I don't think so. Is it really? I don't. Probably, I don't probably know. more money. Probably more. He, yeah, he's a Texas he, guy too. He's a Texas right, guy. Right. Right. It's more money in a bigger market, but I I don't know. Uh, give me Navy. Jeff Munkin leaves. Welcome, welcome to the American Athletic Conference Army. All right, that's all I got. Give me Navy. Um, yeah, take the under. And one of these teams is going to get to six and six, feel real good about themselves, but never play for bowl games, so it just kind of sucks anyway. But uh, give me Navy. All right, Marty. I think I think that's it. Josh, any any parting thoughts? Any wisdom on, on your side? Do you want to you want to say anything before before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, you know, just um, believe in the Pirates right now, you know, because with the NCAA making up this new 100-team subdivision of the football ball subdivision, like... Yeah. That could have been my walk ready. to point. Get your pockets ready. That is true. Yeah, get the pockets ready. Go... Go donate to Team Boneyard. A, a lot of the quarterbacks that I've been looking at, Artie, and I know we said we were going to get out, on three has this really cool tool, and I don't really know how accurate it is. Yeah. But they've got a tool or a thing on there that tells you an estimation of a player's NIL worth. Kind of cool. There's plenty of quarterbacks on there that ECU could afford, and they're some of them pretty good. I'm talking to you, EJ Warner. I, I would <laughs> love, love that pick. I look, man. It, it, if EJ Warner came to came to Dowdy and in Greenville, man, I would, I would be a stun. Then, I, then you would have me really excited. Then I would be like, okay. We might, we might have some clicking with EJ Warner coming coming to the to town. I don't know about that. I like to get from Holy Cross. I, like I, I think he's going to jam you. Is he going to jam you? Okay. And then the kid out of Vanderbilt, I don't know if he's decided where, where he's going. Um, I like the kid out of LSU. Hamsley. Yeah. Kyle McCord. I mean, if you're listening, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle McCord. Stop that, Jared. Stop. Stop. Kyle McCord, you're, you're an East Carolina Pirate. No, MJ Morris, really. MJ Morris has the potential to do the funniest thing ever. That would that would make everything so worth it if MJ Morris from NC State decided to transfer to East Carolina. I would love that. I would, I would dance and on the grave you know, of every NC State fan. Just like JDB said, you know, we could have the next quarterback in the locker room right now. We don't know that yet. So could be right there in the locker room. Could be Jaheen. So mm. Raheem. Raheem. Excuse me, I said Jaheen. I see I, I put in his first name and his last name together. You see what yeah, I did yeah. there? We gotta start recording these Raheem things earlier. Jeter. I tried. To, I tried. To, I tried to mesh the names together. That's all. That's on me. That's like me saying Jensen earlier in Eastern that's Tennessee. <laughs> Jesus Christ! The premier podcast of Pirate Nation, y'all. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Boneyard Podcast. Josh has been killing it with the with the Instagram reels lately. Uh, follow us at Boneyard Podcast. Subscribe. Leave us a five star review if you do. You're a friend of the podcast for life. If you don't, you can walk the damn plank. Uh, follow Variety Sports Network. All right. Let's get out of here. Beat those cocks.
<laughs> Another episode of Books, man. We appreciate y'all listening and tuning in. Josh, thank you as always on the ones and twos. Wash your hands, wash your butts. Deuce.